The Squiz is a free weekday email and podcast where your shortcut to being informed. Our weekday podcast is brought to you by ComBank. ComBank's Next Chapter program provides services and support to help those impacted by financial abuse. It's part of their commitment to supporting the financial well-being of customers and communities. Good morning, I'm Claire Kimball. And I'm Kate Watson. It's Wednesday, the 28th of July. In your squeeze today, cracks between our state and federal governments over aged care. Australia pursues its own national interest in the South China Sea. Malaysia's former PM gets a 12-year sentence and an emu ban in remote Queensland. This is your squeeze today. Starting with the crisis in aged care facilities in Victoria, to the numbers first, there are 700-odd residents across 61 aged care homes that have COVID-19. Some 170-odd have been moved into hospitals, Claire. Yesterday, Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews was keen to make clear that aged care is not his responsibility. Daniel Andrews and his government is already under a lot of pressure over their handling of the coronavirus outbreak. He said yesterday with very strident terms that aged care wasn't his thing, uh, that he was happy though for his government to step up and help the federal government manage what's happening in aged care in Victoria. That of course is because the federal government is responsible for funding and regulating aged care while the state government government looks after the public health system there, including hospitals. He went as far as to say that, and this is the quote, I would not let my mum be in some of these places. I just wouldn't. Responding to this comment, Claire, our Federal Health Minister, Greg Hunt, was in tears. He was really upset, particularly because Daniel Andrews had a go at the staff and the management saying that he wasn't confident that they would be able to keep residents safe. Greg Hunt yesterday said that he wouldn't hear a word against aged care staff, that they were doing a magnificent job in very difficult circumstances. The outcome of all of this is that at the request of the federal government, Daniel Andrews has halted elective surgeries, except in emergency situations. That means that more nurses can be deployed to nursing homes. That's right. And the federal government is also looking at what federal staff, whether that's out of defence or other realms that could go in and help in those aged care homes. Prime Minister Scott Morrison yesterday cut short a week-long trip to Queensland to get back to Canberra to try and help oversee that health response. As we spoke about earlier in the week, our Foreign Minister Maurice Payne and our Defence Minister Linda Reynolds are in Washington DC for talks with their US counterparts about both our and America's relationship with China. This morning they've spoken to the media. US Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has praised Australia for standing up to China and said our nations will continue to work together. The US does want us to up the presence of warships in the South China Sea, Claire. In anticipation of that, the PM responded yesterday. What Scott Morrison said yesterday is that we'll do whatever is in our own national interest and we'll take our time in making those decisions. This all just happening as we pull the podcast together this morning. I'm sure much more detail out of those meetings in the US later today. Dr Kylie Moore-Gilbert is a British-Australian academic who is serving a 10-year jail sentence in Iran over spying charges. She's consistently denied any wrongdoing and our government has previously expressed concern for her well-being. Now she's been quite suddenly, Claire, moved to a prison within Iran that has a reputation for violence and overcrowding. 
She'd already been two years in Tehran's even prison, which had a bad reputation, but it seems she's gone somewhere even worse. The Kwachak prison is in a remote part of the desert and it has a really terrible reputation for things, including torture. Uh, lots of concern about what's happening with her. Dr. Kylie Moore Gilbert is a lecturer in Islamic studies at the University of Melbourne. She was arrested in September 2018 after attending an academic conference at which she was invited to speak. DFAT last night issued a statement which said, Dr. Moore Gilbert's case is one of the Australian government's highest priorities. If you've been listening to the Squiz Today podcast for a while, you'll know that former Malaysian Prime Minister Najib Razak is facing multiple corruption charges. It's now playing out in court. Yesterday, he was found guilty of all seven charges and sentenced to 12 years in prison. It's only the start of it, Claire. It's just the start. There's a number of cases being brought to court against Najib, and this one seems to be a little bit lower down in terms of the severity. It just had to do with $10 million that he was accused of embezzling from that one MDB state fund. The next trials look at the rest of the money and also his behaviour. He's been accused of pocketing up to $1 billion US dollars from that fund. Tell us, what does uh, Van Gogh, Monet and the Wolf of Wall Street have to do with all of this? <laughs> it seems his family and some of his connections that profited from that fund went out into the world and bought some pretty expensive things, including wow. uh, getting involved in Hollywood blockbusters. It has it all this one, money, power, celebrity, as Larissa said in the podcast this week. We do have a squeeze shortcut on 1MDB if you'd like to take a listen. That's in your episode notes. And to something a bit more local, we spoke a lot earlier in the year about the animals that were killed or displaced during the Black Summer bushfires. It seems that previous estimates underestimated the impact, Claire. And researchers are still saying they're being quite conservative about it. The latest study says that nearly 3 billion animals were killed or displaced during those black summer bushfires. Uh, what the World Wildlife Fund says that they still haven't counted turtles and fish that were affected by ash and debris that entered the water. And before we get to Emmy's nominations, a quick message now from our podcast partner, Combank. Financial abuse is a form of domestic and family violence that occurs when an abuser uses money as a means to control and gain power over others. As part of their commitment to the financial well-being of all Australians, Combank has partnered with Good Shepherd to set up the Financial Independence Hub. Stay listening at the end of the podcast where I have a chat with Stella Avramopoulos, the CEO of Good Shepherd, about the challenges faced by those experiencing financial abuse and what the hub will offer to assist. To find out more, head to combank.com.au forward slash next chapter. The Emmys, Claire, are the awards for the best in television. Nominations came out last night. Yeah, and it seems when you get to who's actually doing well, it's Netflix. The streaming services really are the content creators these days. Netflix is uh, led with a record setting 160 nominations, also nominations for new streaming services, Disney Plus and Apple Plus. But when it comes to programs, 
uh, Watchmen has got 26 nominations. It's led there. Also, Netflix, Ozark, uh, is next in line for big nods. Um, Kate, one we've talked about, Hugh Jackman in Bad Education has got a nod. Uh, also, Kate Blanchett uh, for Mrs. America, Tony Collette for Unbelievable, and Sarah Snook for Succession. They lead the Aussies. That's the Australian contingent. Go them. And for the bookworms, the long list for the Booker Prize is also out. Many of the headlines are about the inclusion of Hilary Mantel's third and final installation of her Thomas Cromwell trilogy, The Mirror and the Light. If she was to take it out, she'd be the first person to win the top gong three times. That is awarded in November, so a little while to wait. The email subject line, Claire. What have we got today? Today I have gone for Alana Morissette's You Ought to Know. Uh, that mm-hmm. goes to uh, really a line from that song that I would have preferred to have put in, but it's too long for the subject line, which is I'm here to remind you of the mess you made when you went away. Uh, there's emus in a remote part of Queensland that are going into a pub leaving a big mess on the floor as well as trying to get behind the bar and terrorising other patrons and then sauntering off. Only in Queensland. It's incredible, isn't it? It is good. I'll put a link to that in your episode notes. It's a good one. That's all from us today. Enjoy your Wednesday and we will chat to you tomorrow. The Squeeze is a free weekday email and podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. Sign up at thesquiz.com.au. Stella Avramopoulos is the CEO of Good Shepherd. Good Shepherd is one of the oldest not-for-profits in Australia. It's been supporting women and families for over 150 years. They have a specific focus on domestic and family violence and they've partnered with Combank to develop the Financial Independence Hub. That hub will offer a tailored coaching program to help those impacted by financial abuse in order for them to achieve long-term financial security. Thanks for being here, Stella. Thanks, Kate, and thanks for having us on your program. Stella, tuning into the media launch last week, you made the point that financial abuse doesn't discriminate across age, income, ethnicity, but the vast majority of this is perpetrated by men against women. You've consulted those women with lived experience in the development of this hub. Absolutely, and that was a really critical part of designing a program that was relevant for uh, particularly women um, with lived experience. And certainly, I guess we know from our frontline staff um, who see women impacted by financial abuse every day, they um, people with huge debts and bad credit records um, caused by abusive partners. And um, so we, we have seen the difficult journey that they encounter in uh, their recovery and in fact the highest presenting issue for women accessing our services other than the actual violence and safety is in fact financial stress and so when you have a scenario where you know women are choosing between poverty and violence uh, you know we were quite um, committed and passionate, as was CBA, to come together and and try and find um, a solution for that. You've really answered that question that is often asked, well, why doesn't she just leave when people, as you say, are choosing between poverty or violence? It's really not that simple. Why is it so important that we talk about this? It's important to talk about it at every single level. I mean, we all know that, that now that violence Uh, Domestic and family violence occurs along a continuum 
um, whereby there's multiple forms of violence that seep into one another across different aspects of our lives in different work environments, life environments. Um, so there, there's this sort of, you know, it's not this linear chain of actions that we can sort out. That's why it's just such a wicked problem to try and solve. It has to be a whole of community and a whole of society approach, which is, you know, the really exciting part here is that um, CBA have taken this seriously and they've built a coalition of cross-sector, multi-stakeholder individuals and organisations to really address um, what is a pervasive and wicked problem in Australia. Stella, there may be people listening to this who this is affecting. They may know someone that it's affecting. What do you say to them? What I want to say to them that, you know, rebuilding your life after escaping abuse is complex and overwhelming. And we do appreciate that it's everything from changing your name on the Medicare card to setting up new safe bank accounts and, you know, addressing debt that um, has been incurred by an, an abusive partner. And there is no shame or guilt that anyone should feel about that. But this program wants to walk with these individuals and just support you in your recovery because we recognise that this is really, really hard. Important to mention at this point that this isn't just available to CBA customers. This is available to any victims of financial abuse. Stella, looking forward a couple of years down the track, what would you like the Financial Independence Hub to have achieved? I think it's that that post-crisis support and certainly we we are aiming to be able to, to respond to uh, 10,000 um, individuals over the next uh, four years. The key goal, of course, is to support victims and survivors of financial abuse to achieve their long-term um, financial independence and, and strengthening their financial capabilities and really have a proper uh, road to recovery. When individuals leave um, abuse or violence, they you know, they are confronted with two major issues. One is to continue to remain safe from the perpetrator, and the second is rebuilding their financial situation. And so, this post-crisis, when you know they first left and addressing the safety thing, these two elements still actually don't go away. So we want to develop this post-crisis support that has that is not a quick fix but a journey with um, the individual over a longer period to help them navigate and be there for them as they build a financial road to uh, you know their future. Thanks so much for joining us, Stella. That interview is brought to you by ComBank. For more information on the Financial Independence Hub, visit combank.com.au forward slash next chapter. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super, one of Australia's most awarded super funds. It can be hard to know where the best place to grow your super is, but with awards like CanStar's Outstanding Value three years in a row and Money Magazine's 2024 Ultra Long Term Performance, Aware Super's 1.1 million members can be confident their super is in good hands. Visit aware.com.au forward slash awards to find out more. Awards are only one consideration. Read the PDS and TMD on the website.